Hey, welcome to today's live cast. I see Carol, Chad, and Garrett already joining us, and they noticed the uh, the new thumbnail and banner that we're using for YouTube. Uh, this was put together by our web developer, Dave. He kind of combined some of our, our brands into one image, and uh, yeah, it's I, it, thank you for noticing. I, I didn't know if it, if it would be all that apparent, but apparently it is. You all noticed right away. Um, Rick commented, I hope everyone is warm and safe this morning. I certainly hope so, too. In the U.S., we've had a lot of winter storms, at least from the Midwest, or I would say, I mean, even in the South, they got some snow. Um, so I hope everyone is safe and okay with power, hopefully, with heating and uh, with internet. Uh, one of my coworkers was without internet yesterday. Uh, so I hope you all are okay. Um, in St. Louis, I haven't technically gone outside in a few days because it's too cold, but I do need to go to the grocery store today. So I need to step outside into the cold. It's a little bit warmer. I believe it's 10 degrees Fahrenheit today. So warmer than it has been over the last couple of days. Steve said, Steve's asking about this shirt. This is one of the older Stomeyer Champion shirts. This I don't think is available anymore. I think we sold out of these a while ago, but we do. Uh, we have an annual Stolmeyer Champion t-shirt that we release every year. We either do a hex pattern like this where we hint at uh, either games that we already have over here. These are the games that we had at the time when we released the shirt. These were games that were coming up um, it, at the time of release. Uh, we can see what's on there a little bit. They're a little faded at this point. Um, but we do these some years, and some years we do a different pattern. In fact, we need to start thinking about the pattern that we're going to do for 2024. Um, but yeah, yeah, that's a Stillmar Champion shirt that we make available usually around September. Carol says uh, she thinks it was around 2019 or 2020, so a little little while ago. Um, yeah, Steve is jealous of our warm weather of 10 degrees. He says it's only two in Minnesota, which in Celsius, I think we're looking at around, that's like around negative 20 Celsius. Um, but uh, it, was, it was even colder. It was negative five Fahrenheit in St. Louis for a couple of days as well. Um, I'm happy to talk about Wormspan. Of course, if any of you are here to learn about Wormspan, I got to play it again on Sunday and uh, I had a great time. I mean, I, I, I really love this game. I can't, I know it's weird for me to be able to play this game that you can't play yet, but um, you know, I have an advanced copy. It's good for me to have these advanced copies and I'm so excited for you to get the game to the table in February and March. Uh, the pre-order or the launch goes live on January 31st, and we'll be shipping soon after that. Um, but I'm happy to talk about anything in here. Uh, what, what do we have recently about it? We, the video this past week was a video with Connie on, on Sunday, where Connie and I talked about games that we either think you'll enjoy if you end up enjoying Wormspan, or um, games that if you like a couple of these games and the mechanisms that we talk about in the games in that video, the 10 games, then we think there's a pretty good chance that you'll enjoy Wormspan too. So if you're free to check out that video, if you want some context for games that you might already know to see if they inform you better about what Wormspan is. Steven says, am, am I looking forward to the 49ers playoff game this Saturday? I am. Yeah, it's kind of a classic matchup, 49ers versus Green Bay. I'm, I'm definitely looking forward to that. Andrew says, digital worm span when? Um, right now, we are in talks with the Wingspan digital developer, Monster Couch, about them making a digital version of Wormspan. Uh, they have yet to make a decision about it, but if they say yes to it, then we'll probably see it in around two years. It usually takes around, around one to two years. And maybe it'll be sped up a little bit because they can use some of the coding for Wingspan, but the game is significantly different than Wingspan. So 
I doubt they can use much of that. Brendan says, will there be a wingspan announcement today or any details on the future of wingspan? Uh, there's no wingspan announcement today. I, I can say that Elizabeth Hargrave, the designer of wingspan, is working on the next expansion. She's working on the early design stage of that next expansion. And so an announcement for that expansion will probably come in about a year from now. Not, not saying we'll release it in a, year, a year from now, but we'll around this time next year, we'll probably have something to say about that expansion. Ian says, am I announcing the new realms for Rolling Realms during your live plays or will we get insight this morning? Well, I'll show you one of them. So I have three realms that I'm going to announce on, um, on today's uh, live cast of Rolling Realms, live play of Rolling Realms. But I will go ahead and show you the Wormspan realm. Here's the Wormspan realm. You can see it uses the new packaging where you can tear across the top and therefore keep the integrity, integrity of most of the packaging if you want to keep it. Um, our new tearaway packs. So this is the Wormspan Rolling Realms promo pack. If you aren't familiar with Rolling Realms, just to be perfectly clear, this is not a promo pack for the Wormspan game. This is a promo realm for our game Rolling Realms that is inspired by one of the mechanisms in Wormspan. Um, and the two other realms I'm going to reveal today are not from Stillmeyer Games. They're from games published by other companies. And I'm really excited to share them on the, uh, the live play this week. Uh, or, or today of uh, of Rolling Realms. I do live plays. This is game 62. So the 62nd time I've done a live play of Rolling Realms. Dominic says that he just started two campaign games last week. Ambitious Dominic to start two different campaign games, Charterstone and Ticket to Ride Legacy. He says he had a good time with them both. Pretty different games there, but uh, both competitive uh, uh, campaign legacy games. So I'm excited to hear your thoughts about them, Dominic. Obviously I've played Charterstone a few times. I've not played Ticket to Run Legacy yet. Megan and I are still in our first campaign of Sleeping Gods Distant Skies. We're about, feels like we're about a third of the way through based on how many times we've camped. Usually we sit down and play for maybe 30 minutes a day. We just play a few turns. I really like that style of campaign, campaign play where we're not playing a scenario. We're just playing as long as we want for that given day. And then we'll come back to it and keep on playing. It's a really neat campaign style. Chad says he predicts my 49ers meeting his Lions at the Super Bowl. That would be amazing uh, if, if we get to meet up at the Super Bowl, Chad. Yeah. Mark says he just got home from a short game night and he played a game called Chroma Mix for the fourth time. Nice, fast-paced engine-building card game. Not familiar with this game, Mark, but I'll have to check it out. Chroma Mix. Uh, Didi is hoping that Zulu's We'll get a copy and run demo, demos at the Emerald City Comic Con for Wormspan. Um, we have, let's see, I, I think we are scheduled to receive the first freight shipment this week at, uh, at our fulfillment center here in St. Louis. And so we're going to send out some more early copies to reviewers then and a few copies to conventions. I think Emerald City is one of them. Nathan says, have I revealed the promo realm for Wingspan yet, or for Wormspan? He says, I, I caught up with the design diaries. Yes, I, I did reveal it in one of the design diaries. In fact, I probably did show the packaging there too, but this is the first time that I've showed the packaging live. And today during the, um, maybe I'll reveal the three new realms over the three, uh, today on today's live play, which is at three o'clock central time on YouTube and on the Rolling Realms Facebook group. I'll also maybe reveal the mechanisms of one realm today, then another one tomorrow, then another one tomorrow. Um, so far, I'll, maybe today I'll just reveal the packaging and the and the mechanisms for the Wormspan realm. Nate says, can you give an update on the Tapestry Civ shipping? Nate, you should have gotten an update, uh, I believe, last week, which, um, which that information, as far as I know, is still accurate. 
the fulfillment centers are actively shipping the, uh, the tapestry sieve pack, the revised sieve pack. Um, in St. Louis, I think they'll finish up this week for the U.S. orders. Um, I believe Australia, New Zealand, Asia are done. I think Canada is done as well. Europe is the container that is still due to arrive. That container should hopefully arrive by the end of this week. And so next week will be the fulfillment for Europe. Europe is running slow right now because of all the stuff happening in the, uh, the Red Sea area. Katja says, uh, was there a reason why some items moved away from official tabletop simulator mods? I've only just noticed that they're not there anymore. They definitely should not be there for multiple reasons. One is some of the counterfeit reasons that I talked about on a blog post recently, um, where I thought that was a blog post from last Thursday, where I talked about how on tabletop simulator, you could just download all the files off of, uh, off of tabletop simulator and put them as you wish. And uh, that isn't something that we condone. Also tabletop simulator, does not have a great track record of being welcoming and inclusive to the LGBTQ community. Um, there was a, a big incident that highlighted the uh, systemic problems that they had at Tabletop Simulator. And when we dug into how deep they were, we determined that it wasn't just a one-off thing. It wasn't something that they could fix by saying, hey, we're, it's fixed. Um, and so we, after that, we moved away from um, Tabletop Simulator for moral reasons. Uh, so we'd still, instead, we work with Tabletopia. So if you want to play our games in a uh, digital physics-driven space, all of our games are on Tabletopia. You can play them there. Races, have I tried Dune Imperium Digital yet? I haven't yet. No, I've been so busy with, uh, you know, game design stuff. I'm, I'm playtesting a game of my own right now that, that I haven't played. I, I just, it's very rare that I play digital games. I need to try it, but I haven't played it yet. Christopher says, will there be an expansion for Red Rising? I am hopeful that we will create something new for Red Rising, not necessarily an expansion, but something. And I think I'll have, a, I have time on and off to, to kind of work at what that might be. Um, I should have some time in the near future to start taking a closer look at that. So uh, hopefully we'll, we will do something for the future of Red Rising. I, I appreciate your interest in it for sure. The other, I mentioned the counterfeit post last week. I also did a blog post about eco-friendliness in games. I've done a few blog posts about this subject, and I posted one about the intersection between being eco-friendly and also providing a great user experience. And I even gave some examples in this post of examples of eco-friendly component choices that are actually more user-friendly, offer a better user experience than their non-eco-friendly equivalents or at least neutral. There are a few examples I give where it's a, it's a worse user experience and that's where we have to decide, is it worth it? Do we, what do we put first? And in my mind, we put the user experience first. Uh, we, we have to do that. We're, 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 we're not making games to save the planet. We're making games to bring joy to tabletops worldwide. And along the way, hoping to decrease the amount of damage that we do to the planet while making those games. So it's an interesting decision space that we have to make when we're producing games. And I have an article about that that goes into detail uh, from this past Monday. Uh, Mita says, curious about what the box organization looks like for a uh, warmest Actually, this segues well into what I was just saying about being eco-friendly. We decided to keep box organization to a minimum in Wormspan. So we have some plastic bags, uh, not ideal, but we do have a few plastic bags in the game. The, the, what we determined to be the minimum number of plastic bags we needed to hold the cards and the tokens, some of the tokens. And then we do have two plastic containers. So we have these plastic containers. These wooden components are not included in the game. These are part of the upgrade pack, but I just happen to have mine in here. The eggs are included in the game and both containers are included in the game. And that's the only organization. We, we didn't include anything else. Uh, 
both because the, the bags cover the, the need beyond these containers to hold the components, hold the cards specifically. And um, yeah, just that, that's what we needed. Uh, that's a kind of the, the minimum of what we needed to easily organize the game, easily set up the game and um, without adding waste, you know, components that we didn't need to make. Yeah, so that's that's it. That's the that's the box organization for for Wormspan. Arama says, "Are you able to share any details about the Libertalia promo pack?" Uh, and thank you, Aramis, for your for your kind comment. I do look forward to talking about the Libertalia promo pack that we are going to release probably in the spring. Um, but I don't have I, I don't have I have the well, I mean I, I know what it's about, but I'm not going to share those details today. I'm going to share them in a few months when we're getting much closer to the release of that promo pack. It's just a little promo pack. It isn't a big thing, but it is uh, something to add some more variability to Libertalia Wings of Yelcrest. Tyler says, is there any update on when the Expeditions promo pack may be available for Rolling Realms? Um, let's see, for the Expeditions... Uh, good question, Tyler. So we are sold out of the Expeditions promo pack right now for Rolling Realms. Um, and we haven't started to reprint it yet. So at, at a minimum, it will be six months. Uh, typically, so our, our general plan at Stomar Games is if we make something and it sells out, we garner interest via the back in stock request form that you can see on our web stores. And if there is enough interest in a product uh, for us to justify a full print run, because the print run has to be at least 1,000 copies, ideally 1,500 copies, then we will start to remake it. Um, there is interest in that promo pack, but we haven't seen enough interest to reprint it yet. So uh, currently we we are not uh, reprinting it, um, but we hope to. So if you want it and you don't have it, fill out that back in stock request form. I'll leave myself a little note to check on the stats for that after I get off this chat to see where we are right now on the Expeditions uh, promo realm. Garrett mentioned that I was on a nice chat with uh, So Play We All, so it's a YouTube channel. I was on there with Paco and Chris talking about Wormspan for about an hour yesterday, and they po posted the video today. So we talk about a bunch of different topics related to Wormspan and beyond the gaming industry, the gaming community in general. And so if you want to check out that chat, that's live. I posted that in the Wormspan Facebook group as well. Sam says, do I have anything special planned for Rolling Realms Live Play 100? I'm only on 62 right now, and I play every two to three weeks. So... It's going to be a little while. I guess it's not all that deep into the future, but probably that won't be until 2025 that it'll happen. I don't have anything special planned for it. Um, I'll probably do what I do for the other tens where I play realms created by other people. Maybe we'll do like my favorite realms created by other people, or I'll do all realms that we ended up publishing that were inspired by fan created realms. Maybe something like that, but I don't have anything planned right now. Mark says, do I, do I need the Wind Gambit expansion before getting the Rise of Fenris expansion for Scythe? You don't. And in fact, I would say that that is the expansion that uh, that is used least if you have the Rise of Fenris. All of our expansions are independent of each other for any game. Um, but uh, for the Rise of Fenris, we, there are certain expansions that just don't think well with it. So, And specifically, the Wind Gambit does not sync well with it because airships... Uh, they kind of throw off the balance of some of the campaign elements of the Rise of Fenris. You can play them with them, but we recommend against it. And the um, the, the tiles that change the endgame conditions, the Rise of Fenris has its own special endgame conditions, so you don't really use those tiles either. So I would say that that is the, if you are mostly interested in the Rise of Fenris, I would 
you could just skip to that before going to, and then come in and play the wind gambit for um, one-off plays of side. Steve is playing one of my favorite campaign games, Role Player Adventures, right now, and he says he's having fun with it so far. I love Role Player Adventures; had so much fun with it. Cactus mentions uh, Nekojima. Uh, it, it's a, a game about the Isle of, it kind of in Isle of Cats in Japan. It's not based on the game, the Isle of Cats. It's a dexterity game um, that I played a bunch recently and posted a video about it just the other day. David Sedley is here from uh, Team Automa. He is one of the, the lead solo designers for our games. Good to have you here, David, today. Oh, and Ian points out that the 49ers and the Lions can't meet in the Super Bowl because they are in both in the NFC. Uh, so yes, it would be great to see them meet in the NFC Championship game. Thomas says, are the Wingspan sets of cards made by various artists available worldwide this year? Yeah, they're actually, they're already available worldwide right now from our four different fulfillment centers and from retailers as well. So the Wingspan fan art pack is available worldwide. Uh, if you're looking for it in other languages, that depends on the localization partner. There are some localization partners making non-English versions of the fan art pack. Not all of them, but some of them. And you'll have to check with them to see what their plan is for it. And to let them know that you're interested. It always helps. If you're interested in a localized version of one of our games, kindly go to the uh, the partner, our publishing partner in that region and say, hey, I would love to, I would love to buy this from you in this language if you happen to make it someday. Andrew asks, is that a new shirt? It's actually an old shirt. Yeah, this is an old Stillmeyer Champion t-shirt. Yeah. Um, some of the topics I was going to bring up today, what's going on here at Stillmeyer Games? Uh, well, my question of the day today is about the Stillmeyer release method. So the Stillmeyer release method, as you've seen over the last few years, really coming up on almost nine years at this point since we moved away from Kickstarter, is we put a lot of time and effort and playtesting and love and passion and resources into creating a game. Uh, and then we make that game. And then when the game is on its way to fulfillment centers, we announce the game and we reveal what that game is. And then we uh, we advertise the game. We market the game. I do design diaries. We'll talk, we talk a lot about it. We, we have a, we, nowadays we have an e-newsletter specifically for that game where we give updates about that game. And then we launch the game on our web store. And then immediately afterward, if all has gone well, we start shipping the game to people. So announce it. Within a few weeks, we launch it. Within a few weeks, we ship it to you. And then about, typically around two months later, a little less than two months later, we do the worldwide release, retail release for that game. That is the Stomeyer re uh, release method, Stomeyer release method for products. Um, in comparison to other like traditional release methods where maybe, you know, it's a little bit different. Maybe they, they don't, uh, shine the spotlight the way that we do on the game, or um, the crowdfunding method where you you fund the creation of the game, and then a few years later, you get the game. I'm curious, so I've seen other companies try this method, and some do it really well, and others, I think, struggle a little bit with it. And I'd love to, to create a good template, some good uh, tips for, um, for how... Uh, People can, other companies can use this same method because I think it serves customers really, really well where you don't have to wait a couple of years. You don't have to give your money to someone and then wait a couple of years to get the thing. You can get excited about the thing, pay for it, and then have it within a few weeks. Uh, I think that's a very customer-friendly method to, to use. Um, but sometimes I see other companies try it and it really just doesn't work out. It, it, uh, they, they don't get much attention from it. And I, I feel bad for them when, when this happens because I think it's a, 
I think it's a great release method if, if it can work out for a company, but they also have to put a lot of risk into it. They have to already have made the product. So I'm curious, what what is it about the way that either we do it or that other companies have used this method that works or doesn't work for you? Is my question of the day. Long, very long question of the day here. Um, yeah. What, what about that works or doesn't work? I realized that usually for the first like 15 minutes of this livecast, I forget to put the questions on the screen. Um, but uh, I will start to remember to do that. Starting with Carol's question here. How do you keep busy trapped at home with the cold? She says, we were trapped at a board game convention on Friday due to this and the, or the when the hotel lost power on 10 p.m. That's rough, Carol. I'm sorry to hear that. Um, without power is tough because then you get cold. Uh, you're probably worried about when you can go home. Um, we've been nice and cozy and warm here at home while we've been trapped inside. And we could go outside. It's just very, very cold outside. Uh, I don't know. I, it, it's pre pretty much seemed pretty normal. Like we've just been, I've been working. We've been playing games, taking meal breaks, uh, working out. So just going through our normal schedule, really. And we don't have kids. We just have one cat. So we don't have to keep the kids occupied or busy. And see, Hector says, has anything been announced for expeditions that I missed? Uh, Hector, I think the only thing that I've really announced for expeditions recently is that we are working on an expansion. And the only thing I, I think that I've revealed about the expansion is that it includes two new mechs. There are many other things included in the expansion, but that's the only thing that I've mentioned so far. And if you want to stay in the loop about expedition stuff, there is a... Uh, a newsletter that I post about that world, the 1920 plus world of games, Scythe and Expeditions. I send it usually every couple months. Uh, they can sign up for it on our website if you're interested. Timo Tip also asked about my shirt today. Everyone's liking this shirt. Um, this shirt came out a few years ago for Champions, and we only do one run of t-shirts for Stillmeyer Champions, but we will have a new Stillmeyer Champions shirt uh, later this year. Uh, it won't be it won't be this shirt, uh, th but uh, but it will be a, a special Stillmeyer shirt. Uh, Andrew says, I, I do see your your comment here, Jonathan. Thank you for saying that um, about Tabletop Simulator, our decision with Tabletop Simulator. Andrew says, I love the sort of stealth drop you did for Wormspan. Yeah, that's the kind of the release announcement that I just described. That's what we've been doing for all of our products for quite some time. And Andrew says, how has the reception been compared to your expectations? That's a good question, Andrew. What are uh, so our expectations? My hope for any game that we announce, especially when it's from another designer who I really want to highlight and spotlight, um, a designer who's not me. My hope is that a lot of people will be excited about it or at least curious about it. And um, Wormspan has vastly exceeded those hopes so far. We have more um, kind of launch notification, update notification uh, signups for Wormspan than we've had for any game ever. So I think our previous most signed up for game, I believe it was Red Rising, maybe the Nesting Box, one of those two, they had around 13,000 signups for people who wanted to get updates, wanted the launch notification when it went live. Last I checked, Wormspan has 22,000 um, such requests. So a lot of people are at least curious to learn more and want to know when it goes live. Doesn't mean they'll actually... Uh, buy it when it goes live from us. They can also buy from their local retailer. They may not buy it at all, but the interest in it seems very high. And I'm excited about that because I know how hard designer Connie Volgeman worked on this game. And uh, yeah, I'm, I'm just excited for Connie. And Clementine, the artist too. Clementine illustrated, you know, over 250 illustrations for this game. So I'm excited for her too. She's been getting some wonderful attention for her beautiful art in the game as well. 
Uh, Hampat says, I like the eco-friendly token containers that are packaged packaged with the game. Where can I get more? Um, that's a good question. Sometimes we get questions about this, about specific components we make. Will we sell these components in our web store? And the answer is generally a la carte is a logistical challenge because we have four different web stores. Our a la carte components or a la carte, little you know individual components from our games typically are not packaged with a barcode. And so I like the, I, I'm so glad that you like these containers. We aren't currently selling them individually. We do, however, have overstock of certain plastic containers on our web store. You're, if you buy these plastic containers, you are not supporting the creation of new plastic containers. You are rather going through the supply of plastic containers that we already have. These are our clear plastic containers and the, um, the, the brown containers that we made as an April Fool's joke a few years ago. Uh, to hold candy eggs, to differentiate between candy eggs and real eggs. So those are still on our web store. Feel free to, to check those out if you're interested. Mark has a question about playtesting. I'm currently making prototype components and there's this voice inside my head triggering my anxiety that's holding me back to do blind playtesting. How do you prepare yourself when presenting your designs to blind playtesters? Mark, I can 100% re relate to that. I'm actually going through that right now on a game that I put a lot of love into, and I am excited to show it to playtesters, but also a little nervous about it. Um, so how do I prepare myself when presenting it? Well, it helps me that usually when I am showing a game with people, showing a game at first to people, usually the first few people I pick to play the game with, I want to be there playing the game with them. And I usually pick people who, who are going to be, who are open to the fact that the game is fresh and raw for me and that uh, they're not there to break the game. They're not there to bash on the game as I want other playtesters to do later. Um, they're just there to, to play the game. To, to, and that, that's kind of a nice framework that you can give to playtesters that you're just looking to see other humans play the game and, and to walk through a session so you can actually just see what it is like on the table. You don't even have to ask for feedback the first time you play. You can just say, I just want to watch you play the game. Um, even that can be super... Uh, nerve-wracking to go through. But sometimes setting that framework and letting, giving yourself permission to do that, I think can be really helpful for the first few plays. And then you break the ice with playtesting and can move on to uh, asking for feedback and things like that. Yeah. Mark's uh, also has a question about budgeting purposes of completionists like myself. Are you willing to disclose how many more promos are planned for Rolling Realms before Rolling Realms Redux releases? Lots of R's there. Um, I don't actually know the number offhand, Mark. It's, it's uh, I mean, we're looking for a summer release of Rolling Realms Redux. So I think there will be, I think probably nine realms, including the ones that were released on January 31st. So I think it's nine realms leading up to that. It might be 12, nine or 12. Yeah. My coworker, Susanna is here. Susanna, how was climbing yesterday? I heard you went climbing with our coworker, Alex, who had his birthday. I won't say the exact day, but he had his birthday recently. We're celebrating our coworker, Alex. And also my coworker, Dave, has his birthday coming up. We're celebrating him as well. Um, Lord Devastator says, have I ever considered publishing a CCG? I've heard you mention that you enjoy Lorcana and Star Wars Deck Builder. Well, that's not a, star, a CCG. Am I excited for Star Wars Unlimited? I am excited for Star Wars Unlimited. I'm curious to play it. Not necessarily as a CCG, but um, hopefully to draft it or just play a few games of it. That's how I like to play most games. Um, I have a, a video about this. I, I have a video about LCGs and CCGs and how I can, during the video, you can see me like processing it. Should, is it worth it? Should I consider this format for games? Um, and 
I don't know where I come to in that video because that video was a while ago, but I actually tried originally the side expeditions. Uh, expeditions was the original intent was for it to be kind of a living card game, um, living card game combined with uh, the the roguelike style of uh, Slay the Spire, and it became something very different than that. But uh, but that was the original intent. And what I found, what I kept finding, is that I uh, didn't. A couple, a couple different factors, but I, I just I wanted to include everything in the in the box. Everything that I created, I wanted to include it. I didn't want to parcel it out into little packets, which I know is odd saying because we have Rolling Realms again that is literally parceled out into little packets. Um, but it just didn't feel right for expeditions. If I was going to design all these cards, I just wanted to put them all in the game. Um, and I also didn't want to ask players to do work when they weren't playing. That's why I love the draft format of Magic: The Gathering, which I do play quite a bit of, or play them. I play it in draft. Uh, because I like not having to do homework when I'm not playing. I just want to sit down and play and then be done with playing. Whereas with most CCGs and LCGs, I think the way that many people play is that they construct decks in their free time. So if I were ever to do an LCG or a CCG, I think it would be designed almost entirely around the draft format. Um, and even then, there are lots of other pitfalls that go along with it. Uh, so... It isn't something that I'm actively pursuing is the long answer, but there is a video on, our, on my YouTube channel. If you look, look for the term CCG or LCG, you might see the video about that. Nathaniel says he's getting excited to play Euphoria Build a Better Dystopia for the first time. I hope it goes well, Nathaniel. We uh, celebrated the 10th birthday of Euphoria last Saturday, so just a couple days ago. Some of the things I played recently, I played the game Lynx, a nice little game that's a combination of tic-tac-toe and um, rock, paper, scissors. I played Trailblazers. I played, uh, we've been playing Sleeping Gods, Distant Skies, Megan and I. Played the abstract game Portals. And like I mentioned earlier, I played Wormspan with a few people on, on, uh, on Sunday. I finished in last place, but still had a great time. Um... What else is going on here? Also over the weekend before, well, actually it was already really cold in St. Louis, but uh, on Friday we had tickets to see comedian John Mulaney. And we did go see comedian John Mulaney at the Fox here in St. Louis and had an amazing time. Usually we watch a lot of like stand-up specials on Netflix and Amazon Prime, things like that. But we very rarely to see comedians in person. And so it was just really nice to be in a big room of people laughing along with uh, two very funny comedians, John Mulaney and his opener, whose name I didn't catch. But uh, Mulaney was awesome. We had a great time seeing him. I would recommend it. If, you, if you're in a city where he's going on tour this year, I, I would recommend seeing John Mulaney. And a few other little fun things to talk about. Uh, actually, a, a few Stomar things. Um, been playtesting a lot recently, a ton recently. I kind of solo playtesting as I'm leading up to doing some, some uh, localized playtesting with me there. Um, I had the interview with uh, So Play We All that Garrett mentioned earlier, also had a chat with Chits and Cardboard that I don't think is live yet, and also a chat with Board Game Co. about Wormspan that I don't think that is live yet either. I think that'll be live. Um, maybe he's waiting for the for January 22nd, which is when reviews for Wormspan start to come out. Yeah, those are some things going on at Stillmeyer Games right now. Um, Rocky says, I like, so I was talking about the Stillmeyer release method, and I'm trying to find ways to, uh, to share well, how do I say this? I, I, I want to encourage other publishers to consider this method, but I don't want it to fall flat for them because there's a lot of risk if it falls flat. So I want to find what works about it. And I guess that's what Rocky's saying. He says, I like how the builds up right, the buzz builds up right before release, so we don't have to wait too long. So um, 
I don't know, I'm looking for ways to, to, to share how it works for us or why it works for us and what other companies can do to emulate that to get it to work for them as well. Because I have seen it fall flat for some other companies. Tom says, for Rolling Realms 100, you should do a fan vote for Realms and also giveaways, prizes through the live cast. I don't usually do giveaways, Tom, but I am happy to do a fan vote to help them pick uh, the the uh, the things. There's a, I have a whole blog post about why I don't do giveaways. I won't go into that, but I, it, it's, we don't really do giveaways at some of our games. Um, let's see. Um, I, I'm, just, I'm reading through a few comments to see if if I should share them about about. Uh, so I'm looking for not what doesn't work about crowdfunding. I'm working uh, looking for what does work about the Stillmire release method and how other companies could emulate it, and maybe even how other companies are doing better than us. I'd love to hear that as well. Joshua points out that uh, how. Our, our level of communication, uh, weekly live cast. Um, yeah, I guess you have to first already be following and opt into these other companies. You have to know information about them. Uh, and so that that takes work, that takes time and effort uh, to do. Uh, so that is that is part of it. So cultivating, cultivating a community um, in advance is always helpful. Although honestly, some of these companies that I've seen try it and where it has fallen flat, I know they have good communities, really solid communities. And so it has surprised me a little bit to see them try this method and see it fall flat a little bit. Um, here, Julio says, I think it works for Stillmire because we have a good following. They know they'll like the game or at least be curious about the game. Yeah, but yeah, I would say uh, this is specifically for companies. Yeah, I, I should note this. Uh, it is for companies that already have a good following. I think that, yeah, that, that's crucial to have that. If you don't have that, crowdfunding is a great way to go. So Carol was talking about being stuck inside on Friday in the storm. She says, it worked out. The hotel and convention people were great. People kept gaming. Yeah, that's true. You can keep on gaming as long as you have some lights in some way. Try to keep it an adventure and a fun memory for the kids. Yeah, I bet they'll remember that for sure. Um. Dominic also says, I think you have to wait for for you to have a loyal fan base, built up great reputation. Um, yeah, so trust, trust, reputation, a following. Yeah, I agree with all that for sure. Nate says, I've heard negative comments that Stillmire just generates hype with your release method, but I actually think your release method builds excitement and offers the fun element of surprise. Yeah, I mean, as you probably know, if you follow me, I, I, I don't like the term hype. I, I think... I think it's misused in a lot of different ways. Um, and I think, I don't even I don't even quite know what people are really saying when they say, oh, it's just hype. Um, I think the way that I think about hype in, in terms of a uh, pejorative way is when someone says, we have the best game for you. It's the best thing. This is the best, it's the, it's the best art. It's the best designer, all these things. And I guess I do say that about Connie. I think Connie is an amazing designer, but I don't make claims. I try not to make claims that our games are the best. I think that's for you to figure out. I try not to make game claims that our games are, are fun. Um, that's for you to figure out. I do compliment the people who work on our games because I think they deserve, I mean, that's my personal compliments from, from them to, uh, for, for me to, the, to those people. But, um, but I think that is kind of artificial hype. When I am giving you the adjectives that, that you need to find out for yourself, but what I try to do, what I really try to do for all of our games is give you the facts. I try to show you what the game looks like. I try to show you what the components are. I try to show you the rule book. Um, and I tell you the stories behind the game. And I let you figure out if you want to be excited about it. 
that to me isn't hype. That's just information, and you can decide if you're excited about it or not. Um, yeah. Curtis says, any reason we can't group orders or offer pre-orders more frequently? For example, if I order an in-stock item and a pre-order launch item, they ship together, but there's no pre-order yet, this won't work. Um, yeah, it just doesn't work with Shopify, can't, can't do that. At least we haven't found a way to do that on Shopify without causing a lot of headache for our fulfillment center. We only sell things that are in stock or that we're pretty much ready to ship. Um, as you can see with, with like the, uh, the Tapestry Revised Sid Pack. Uh, so Curtis, I think what I'm hearing you say is like, you might right now, you might want the Tapestry Revised Civ Pack um, and you don't want it to go out of stock by the time that Wormspan goes in our web store. But that's, I think, on us. That's our job to make sure that we have enough of a product in stock so you can wait a little bit until the launch happens and then you can combine them into one order. Um, so I think that's that's just the way to go for you. It just wait until the new product has launched and then you can put everything that you want in your cart into a single order and it can all ship together. Um, and it's my responsibility to make sure that we have enough products in stock so that you don't have to worry about something go, going out of stock for the next few weeks, for the next month, until the product that we've talked about is uh, is available. Yeah. Um, Catherine says, okay, talking about, talking about the topic of the other day, I wonder when I see things like reprints, Votes for Women comes to mind. This is Catherine's comment. They chose Kickstarter and they've had their own newsworthy flubs with meta advertising. I think many people can't escape the Kickstarter realm of buzz and reach. Um, in this Votes for Women, the game reprint, the turnaround is fast. So it's similar to the time frame you speak of, but it's still a crowdfunding platform. Yeah, it is always interesting. I, I, when I see a company use crowdfunding for a reprint, um, I think for the most part, maybe they're using it as a way to gauge demand for a game, uh, whether it's a reprint or a new edition of the game, a revised edition, um, because they still don't know. It's still a guessing game. They don't know how many people want. Uh, but I think when it is a known entity, then there are other ways to gauge demand there, uh, than, uh, than, than using crowdfunding to do that. So um, it does always surprise me a little bit when companies do that. But you're right. It is nice what it is a reprint or they actually have the second printing ready. Um, and honestly, I think there is almost no excuse for a company to run a campaign for a reprint or a new edition and not have it be 100% ready for them to hit print the minute that campaign ends. There's, I don't know. I don't think there's an excuse for that. Um, that you're right. It should be a fast, a much faster turnaround when they do that, which is, which is a great asset to have. It's still probably going to be six months because it takes time to manufacture and uh, freight ship and then ship the games. But, um, but that is faster than most campaigns. Yeah. Jonathan says he likes this or he loves the Somewhere method for launch. It's enough notice that I can learn about the game and get excited about the purchase, but not so much notice that I get impatient. So kind of the 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 timing window, as I'm hearing people resonate with that, that window. Uh, he says, this is definitely my preference for launches of new games, but I like the longer notice given for expansions. That's interesting. Longer notice for expansions. Longer for Expansions. Why is that, uh, Jonathan? I'm curious about that. That's interesting feedback. Ian has to go, but I'll answer this so we can hear it later. Do you have any advice for pitching his game to publishers online? Um, I do have I, have, I have a big video about this. Uh, Ian, check out my video about four steps to pitch your game to publishers. I would say the by far, the probably the most important step is to be very selective about the publishers you pick. Pick the publishers that you really want to work with, who you think want to publish your type of game. And then look into each of those publishers' pitching guidelines, requirements, and preferences. Um, so don't 
just blast it out there. Be very specific. Be intentional about the publishers that you choose and about their guidelines. That's the number one thing I think you can get you can do to help your case. Um, let's see. Uh, Monkey Butler says that my audio, my video has been locking up a little bit. So uh, I have, I did upgrade StreamYard to 1080. Uh, so 1080 high definition. So it might just be a little bit slower now. I, unfortunately, I'm too far away from my router to directly plug into it. So I'm using this over Wi-Fi, and that's probably why it is not perfect anymore. But hopefully, it's higher quality. Um, I think on Facebook the quality should be the same, but on YouTube it should be higher quality. Yeah, that's at least what I can tell from from Streamyard. George is talking about stats for our previous games. Talking about how. Uh, the print run size for Tapstry was 25,000. I believe that's correct. I think we only had 10,000 for the web store, though. Wingspan, we had 10,000 copies. I think we cut ourselves off at 5,000 for the web store, even though we could have kept going and sold more. Maybe we should have. Um, but uh, Tapstry so far, let's see, you know, let's look back at our stats to see. I'm not going to share this on the screen because this is a, maybe maybe somewhat behind the scenes stuff. Maybe not. But our let's see that in terms of numbers sold, Tapstery is still tops. Yeah, Tapstery looks like we sold uh, 10,812 individual units on our web store. So I guess we didn't quite cut ourselves off at 10,000. I went a little bit beyond that. But that, so far, was our top pre-ordered product. The nesting box with Wingspan Asia inside came close to breaking 10,000, but didn't quite get there. I thought Red Rising did really well, though. Let me see. What, what was Red Rising? Red Rising... Also came close to 10,000, but didn't quite get there. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So Wormspan might be our, our top launch product ever if, if all goes well. We'll see. We'll see what happens with that. Hector says, what software tools that do not exist yet would a game designer find useful for creating and prototyping games? Interesting question, Hector. What do I... It can only probably answer just for myself. What tools would I, would I find useful for creating and prototyping games? Prototyping games? That doesn't already exist. Um, hmm. That's a great question. Uh, I'm pretty happy with the things that I already use. I use InDesign to create the prototypes. Uh, I, I I print and assemble, and that you know it's a little cumbersome to print and assemble. I I really like to do that. I don't like to play test digitally if I can avoid it. I like to do it on the tabletop, but that process is pretty smooth too. Um, I don't know, Hector. I, I let's put this question out to anybody else who's playtesting games. Is there any type of software that does not exist that you wish did exist to help your prototyping and playtesting process? I can't think of anything offhand that I am actively looking for right now that would help the process for me, Hector. But it's a good question. Julie says the Stomar Games release method probably works well for companies with high level of engagement with their customers. So not just about the community, but also engagement. I like that word. Um, and she mentions, Julie mentions livecast, personable newsletters, YouTube videos, game-centric online communities. People in these venues are looking for what the release next release is and how to find out about it. That's true. Not, not all companies do that. Or even if they do have a decent following, they may not do that level of engagement. Maybe they don't have the bandwidth to do so. Um, yeah, I can definitely see that. Carlos says, uh, the design diaries help them understand the game on a deep level. And the rule book, how to play video and rule reviews are available before I can buy the game. That's true. All those are available. And this is one of the other perks, I think, of using uh, our method. Um, 
where reviewers who have the game have the full final game. They're seeing what the game really looks like uh, rather than a prototype. And there are some pretty nice prototypes that reviewers get in advance now from other companies. So I'm, I'm not knocking on that, but I think it is nice for a viewer to have the real final version. They can speak to the quality of the final version of the game because that's that's the real version that they have. Um, Paige says that uh, her partner was shocked that uh, when, when she showed them Wormstand that we'd be able to play it so soon. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we'll have to ask probably for a little bit of patience coming up when Wormstand releases because on January 31st, because while we're hoping to ship everything in February, A, we already know that Europe's going to be a little slow due to the Red Sea. Um, but B, if we get a lot of orders, it's going to take our fulfillment centers a little while to ship them. Hopefully a lot of them will ship in February, maybe even all of them, but we expect that some spillover will happen into March. So there will definitely be people who see others getting their game when they haven't even gotten a shipping notification yet. And I ask in advance for your patience with that process because our fulfillment centers can't ship everything simultaneously, especially when there are thousands of orders. But I look forward to that excitement and, um, and for people to actually get their copies of the game in the very near future. Tim says, I wish there was a less of a gap between the end of the design diaries and the first reviews. He says, it's like a week and a half. Maybe ship out copies earlier and then you'd have potential leaks. Actually, in the case of Wormspan, Tim, we shipped out the copies plenty of time in advance. I chose that date um, with intention. Um, I chose it because I wanted it to be, I, I wanted it to be not too far away from the actual uh, launch date. Uh, so I could have done it this Monday or this, you know, around the, this week sometime, but I wanted it to be a, a little bit closer to that release date. So we have it, you'll start to see reviews on January 22nd. The launch date is on January 31st. I keep saying release, retail releases in March. Um, the uh, the launch date on our web store is January 31st. So I just wanted to have that date be a little closer. And what, what I could do is just pull a full week out of it, do two weeks of design diaries, then the next week have the, the reviews and the next week have the launch of our web store. So we, we'll try to do that in the future where we can. Um, just depends on how freight shipping is going for all the, the copies that need to get to fulfillment centers. Yeah. Um, let's see. Dave is popping in here. Coworker Dave has his birthday coming up soon. Um, let's see. Mark says, for the game delivery question, I would prefer if I could have the copy in a month or two after the announcement because the excitement is there. And he talks about PMPs as well, print and play games. Susanna, my coworker who went climbing with Alex yesterday, says, climbing was great. I hadn't been on a wall in a few months. It was exhilarating to send a couple routes. I hope to make climbing a habit again. Yeah, same for me, Susanna. It's been a little while. I'm glad that you had fun out there and, and stayed healthy while out there. Sometimes it can be, you, can, you think you can do things that you could do a few months ago, but the strength isn't quite back in the fingers yet. So I'm glad you had fun and, and didn't get hurt. Maximus says that Apiary may have been his top or their top game of last year. Looking forward to seeing what Connie will do with Wormspan. Yeah, Connie is the designer of our last two games, Wormspan and Apiary. Connie is the designer of both of those games. Timbo Canada says, I just wanted to say you seem like the nicest person. I appreciate you saying that. Um, I, I am sometimes nice. Sometimes I, I can get hangry and not be nice. Uh, but uh, I it is, it is my goal to be nice and talk to people as much as possible. So thank you for saying that. Chris says, what's my favorite house rules for Wingspan basic game? I don't think I use any house rules at Wingspan. Yeah, I just, I just, uh, if it, if anything, when I'm selecting goal tiles, if I see two goal tiles that are very similar to one another, I might flip one over or choose a different goal tile. But yeah, I don't use any house rules for Wingspan at all. I, I really like the way that we, we have it in the box. 
Jordan points out, so we're talking about CCGs a little bit. He says, I really like how Star Wars Unlimited only creates rarity in the style of the art and not in the specific card itself. That's interesting. Yeah, that's an interesting method. That, I guess that's kind of what we've seen from, um, uh, what's the Marvel, Marvel, I'm blanking on the name right now. The the, the Marvel digital game that, that has done so well. Snap, Marvel Snap. Um, but yeah, they, they've kind of done that same thing. And I think that's a neat method to do. Have rarity in the art, but not rarity in terms of the mechanisms of the cards themselves. Let's see, Glenn says, how hard were the negotiations for Between Two Castles? Very easy. <laughs> I mean, I, I had been talking, speaking very highly about Castles of Madkin Ludwig for a long time. So, and I think I had, I had uh, met Ted before, maybe talked with Ted at Bezier Games. And so when I reached out to him and I offered to pay him for, uh, for, using the name of his game and he didn't have to do any work paying royalties for that I, that was that was very very easy to do um in hindsight I'm, I'm wondering if maybe we should have not done that because and, and not use the name because i don't know if the the castles of medicine ludwig name has really benefited between two castles all that much i still love castle of medicine ludwig but i don't know if the ip itself has helped between two castles and also when i talk about the game i usually just say between two castles because it's such a long name so um as for the, any skills that i picked up did they help with rolling realms because whenever we do pursue a certain uh game to make a realm after for rolling realms i do reach out to the creator i say hey i don't want you to do any work i just need the box art um i need your permission i need you to sign this to say we have your permission and i need your paypal address so i can send you some money uh a flat a flat fee out of appreciation for letting them do that and uh, so I've tried to make it easy. I've tried to make it as easy as possible for the other party to say yes. Um, so I guess I still, I learned some things. I wouldn't say negotiation because I'm not trying to convince anyone of anything. I'm just trying to put it out there to see if they might be interested in it. Interesting question. Uh, real quick before I focus on questions for the rest of the live cast, some things that we've watched or consumed recently that I've really enjoyed. I read a book called Legends and Lattes, which is one of the coziest books I've read in a long time. It's about... A, an orc who opens a coffee shop. I don't want to spoil anything beyond that, but it is a super cozy read that I recommend in these cold winter months. We're watching Fisk, which was recommended by my coworker, by my coworker Susanna as our lunchtime show, kind of a half-hour comedy, where we finished watching the latest season of For All Mankind, and I highly, highly recommend that show. It is an amazing alternate history show, For All Mankind. And now we're watching Monarch, which is also kind of an alternate history with about uh, the Godzilla King Kong world. And we watched the movie Saltburn over the weekend. Found it very interesting, very different, very odd, very memorable. Um, I don't necessarily know if I'd recommend it, but I am impressed by some things that happened in the movie. Uh, I don't want to spoil anything that it's about. I, I guess it's it's about uh, it's about a, a a university student who pursues some friendships. Um, some unexpected friendships, I would say, is, is a way to describe it, um, Saltburn, a little bit. Yeah. Kevin says, what do you think makes a good game for events such as the World Series of Board Games? What game would you choose if you were to enter such an event? It's a good question, Kevin. I don't think much about competitive play for games. It isn't why I design games. It isn't why I play games. So it's really tough for me to answer this question. I think the types of games that are, are great for this are, uh, are abstract games, honestly, because I think it's... Uh, Abstract, non-asymmetric games are, um, I, I think, are, are, are really good for this event. Now, if I were to choose a game that I were to, oh, to, that I was going to compete in, so a game that I think I'm really good at, 
I don't even know if I can think of a game that I'm really, really good at. Uh, hmm. I'm looking at my collection here to see if there's any games that I'm like, oh, you know, you know, I usually win that game when I play that game. But even though I try to win, winning usually is not my overall goal when I play a game. I, I'm trying to have fun and trying to make sure the other players at the table have fun. So I don't know. I'm, I'm so far away from that mindset, Kevin, that I don't, I don't know if I have a game I could choose for it. Yeah. Fair question, though, for anyone else. If, if there's a, what is a game that you win often enough that you would be willing, if the circumstances provide themselves, that you would be willing to pay an entry fee in, in the competence that you would get that money back and then some at the end of the competition? Is there any game that you win that often that you would choose for that sort of competition? Ryan says, how do you keep a big project like Wormspin from getting leaked until the announcement? Do the parties involved sign an NDA? I don't like NDAs. Um, I think it kind of puts people in an uncomfortable uncomfortable position. We have an understanding with our playtesters that, uh, that they don't talk about our games online. Um, we're very strict about it. We reinforce it. We remind our playtest, our lead playtesters, that they need to actively tell their playtesters every time, "Hey, don't talk about this. This is a secret." And every now and then, something gets leaked, um, but we try to avoid that. I, I'm kind of impressed that Wormspan didn't get leaked for so long. But uh, but yeah, we just we just kind of use human decency as a way of saying, "Hey, this is important for us to keep secret. Please keep it secret." And people tend to really abide by that. It's pretty impress impressive when they do that. NDAs aren't for me. William says, what's the most challenging part of being a developer? So developer is the person who takes a game that already works. It's always already fun and functional. And they take it and they make it a little bit more fun, a little bit more balanced, a little bit more functional, um, and a little bit more intuitive. So what's the most challenging part about it? Or what is it in, is your process, approach, or philosophy when developing a game that you've signed? Um, my process is that I actively work with a designer. I don't just take it from the designer. I want to work with the designer on, a, on an ongoing basis. That's the that's the whole process. The most challenging part about it. Oh, that's tough because usually I try to pick designers that are great to work with and, and actively want to be a part of that process, and they help make that pretty easy um, when they're involved in that way. So they make it often not all that challenging. Um, I would say maybe the more challenging part is when I'm developing my own game, when I'm a developer for my game, because I'm. I, I I really want it to work really well. Sometimes it isn't working that well. And my default is, oh, let me go back and redesign it instead of uh, trying to fix fix it or figuring out what works or doesn't what doesn't work. So that is kind of the ongoing difficult question. Do I need to redesign this element of the game from scratch if I'm the designer? Or do I just need to revise it and make it this thing work better? That is a tough question to figure out to answer if I'm both the designer and the developer. Epicure says, am I a movie guy? I love movies, absolutely. If so, what's your favorite ever movie and favorite recent watch? Really hard to answer my favorite ever movie. I and mean, that has changed over time. I would definitely put The Incredibles up there. I love, love The Incredibles as one of my favorite, all-time favorite movies. Um, favorite release of 2023 was um, Barbie was up there. The Mission Impossible movie was, was up there, but my number one favorite movie of last year was the Dungeons and Dragons movie. I thought it was a delight. I loved it. That was my favorite movie of 2023. Yeah. I'm a little bit behind on questions here, so let me try to do some questions. Uh, speed round real quick. Racism, the subject of LCGs and CCGs, uh, uh, living card games and collectible card games, and how you like the drafting element. Have I played Challengers? I have. Yes, I really like that element of Challengers. That does scratch that itch really well. That's a good example. Yeah. Totally well said, Ray. That is, you know, that's probably why I enjoy challenges so much because it's those games without the collectible element, without any building to do in advance, and you get that feeling of building something on the fly while you play. Um, 
Jeffrey says, he's talking about this, the question that I asked about, uh, uh, about why the similar release method works and how it work, could work for another company. He said, my strategy works well because we have a strong brand identity built on the quality product. Without that branding, it fails. I totally agree, Jeffrey. Again, I would say that some of the other companies that I've seen it fall flat for have a strong brand identity and a high quality product, and yet it has still failed for them. So those are the ones that I'm the most curious about. But I do appreciate you highlighting that because I think brand identity uh, is, is definitely part of the equation. War Jr. says, any update for Europe shipping with regards to, to Wormspan? I don't. Let's see. It doesn't appear that I'm sharing my second screen today. So I'm going to look over at my email to see, because I did actually ask our fulfillment center about that today. Um, no update. So I assume it's the same as the last one I heard, which is that the, the freight shipping container for Wormspan won't arrive in Europe until mid-February. We are still going to do the launch on January 31st, but we're just going to communicate clear to, clearly to those in Europe that they're, they won't probably see their order start to ship until late February or March. Yeah. Uh, a chat points out that we don't release many games. And so that, that does help. So only a few games that, that can, that can impact it. I can definitely see that. Joshua says, do other companies have something similar to the Stillmeyer champion? Yeah. Champion membership, I think helps. I've seen, uh, so capstone has something somewhat similar. I think maybe one other company tried it too. A few other companies have tried it, but uh, they, as far as I know, they have not shared the stats for it. So I don't know how well they're doing. Um, Jeremy says, is it true that they are working on an apiary expansion? Uh, Connie is working on an apiary expansion. Yeah, we put uh, we put that on our progress chart a few weeks ago. So it, there is an expansion in progress for apiary. I'm gonna skim a little bit here, just focus on questions for the last few minutes because I know I'm behind a little bit. Uh, Nick says, do the direct from publisher orders net somewhere a better profit share than what goes through distribution? They do. I don't want to necessarily discourage you from ordering from your preferred local retailer if you have one. Um, in fact, I, I definitely don't want to do that. I want you. To, I want to encourage that if you or if you have a local retailer that you prefer to buy from, um, and that way you don't have to pay for shipping either. However, yes, the the biggest profit for most of our games goes to Stomar Games if you buy from us directly. I say most because sometimes some of our games, once you add the champion discount, it gets down to about the same amount of profit as uh, as the um, as for distribution. But for any distributor, if we are selling a game into distribution, um, we are selling at a 60% discount. So they are getting it at a, at a very low cost. Um, whereas a consumer ordering from us, even with a champion discount, is probably buying from us at a maybe a 30% discount. Um, so our, our, our margins are definitely better then. And even then, we, we do subsidize shipping a little bit too. So there's that. There are a lot of, lots of costs to factor in. But in general, yes, the profit is best for the publisher if you're buying directly from the publisher. Yeah. Corey says, from Blue Falcon, what's your thoughts on store-specific exclusive content for games? Recently, I saw that Books and Million had a store exclusive of the Firefly deck builder and the exclusive content added a fifth player. Corey, you probably know from me, I don't like exclusive content at all. Um, I understand it only, the only circumstance I understand it is if it's a timed release exclusive. Uh, and even then, I just don't like the term exclusive. I want to include everybody. So, um, yeah, I'm not, I'm not a fan of it. Uh, let's see, Nate says that YouTube is currently only offering 7020 as the highest available resolution, but maybe later, you're right, Nate, it might shift to 1080. Hopefully it does, I believe. Yeah, it, it is in 1080 right now, from my end at least. Um, I'm just going to scroll down a little bit. Uh, Kathy has a nice thing to say here about the comment. Um, 
Let's see. I, I know I can count Stormwater games to deliver exactly what they say. I don't have to worry about anything. Yeah. Uh, that's good. I appreciate that. Kathy, thank you. Kevin says, will rubber playmats fit in the box? So rubber play the rubber playmats for Wormspan are designed uh, with dimensions of length and height to fit in the box. So like that we didn't make them so wide they can't just fit into the box. Um, so it does fit in the box, but uh, you, you'll decide for yourself if you want to roll them up, if you want to lay them flat. So it's, uh, they will fit in the box is the long answer. Might be a little bit of box lift depending on how you put them in the box. Nate says Tapestry didn't sell more than Red Rising on launch. Tapestry did sell more than Red Rising on launch by a little bit. Just scrolling down a little bit. I have a few more questions before I sign off. Marvel, uh, thank you, David, pointing out Marvel Snap. Um, so Josh says he wishes he knew, knew early in the timeline the price of the game. That would allow him to budget and save if need be. That's totally fair. Um, I try to give a range of the price because the price can change. We can still change the price up to the last minute. We usually don't, but we can do that sometimes. Um, so, uh, and also Josh, one of the reasons that we don't announce the price is that if we do announce the price, we will start to see retailers sell it. And uh, we do not want retailers to start to sell the game until at the very least we have started to sell the game. So that's the reason that we really can't release the price in advance, but um, we do try to give a range. So what I said from Wormspan for, from like day one is that it's in the range of wingspan, range of that cost, yeah. Uh, Let's see, there's a few more questions before I go. Uh, Anthony says he loves the game Air, Land, and Sea. He had thoughts that could be themed into a Red Rising side that also could be an LCG format where players can build custom decks. Um, sure, if, if you're free to, to, to run with it and make, make up some fan creations of that if you'd like. LCG isn't really a format that we're pursuing uh, aside from Rolling Realms. Rolling Realms is the, is the exception for that for us. But um, I, I do love, uh, in fact, Airland and Sea slash Marvel Snap, two games with very similar mechanisms, are two of the, the concepts that we're brainstorming for what we could do in the future for Red Rising. We'll see if that works out. It's just one of many ideas, really. Okay, yeah, I think I better sign off here. If I missed any questions, I'm sure I did. I'm happy to answer them later on YouTube. Thank you for joining me for today's livecast. I always appreciate your answers, your questions, the topics that we talk about. And um, yeah, I will, I will hopefully see you next week. I have a meeting slash appointment next week, next Wednesday, that that might, uh, something that might conflict with the livecast. So there might not be one next week, but for sure there'll be one on January 31st, launch day for Wormspan on our web store. Take care and I'll see you then and stay warm. I'll see y'all. Bye.